Okay, we're going to have to keep doing that. Well, hey, uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Clayton, and I'm the senior pastor here at Central, and I'm excited that you are here with us today as we continue our series called Ordinary Heroes. And I want you to have an opportunity to take notes. And so on the screen right now, there's a QR code. Scan that. Uh, that'll be up for a couple minutes. Um, give you a chance to... to uh, have access to the, to the notes um, for today. Uh, we have actually been on a pretty long journey. It's week seven or something like that on our series called Ordinary, Ordinary Heroes. We've been back and forth in the, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Old Testament, then back in the New Testament we talked through men and women. But all of these people are, are ordinary guys, ordinary girls, and they are heroes of the faith. And it's been a long, you know, journey. We're almost done with it. And I was thinking about, you know, some of the long journeys that I've had in my life and getting on an airplane, traveling all over the world and different places. But probably the longest journey of my life was actually only 16 miles. You see, several years ago when uh, I wasn't uh, out of shape and wasn't over 40 and, you know, would hurt every time I just walk on the stairs. But, uh, but I used to run a lot and I was training for a marathon. And uh, yeah, I did get hurt and never even ran it. But but that's beside the point. Um, one, one, I, was, I was training for several weeks and got, uh, you know, you build up your miles over and over each week. And, and I would train and get ready. And I, I got ready to run a, the 16-mile um, race, or not race, but just the 16-mile the run that you had to do as you prepared for, for the marathon. And so uh, the, the night before, I, I drove my, my car and made sure that I had 16 miles you know, on my map, and then uh, the, the, the morning of, I went and got a big case of Gatorade, and um, I went uh, about every two miles and, and hid uh, a case of Gatorade in, in the grass or behind a bush or something so that I'd have something to, to drink, and, and uh, I went back to my house and got ready, and, and I started running, and I ran for a couple miles, and it was not that big of a deal, I made it to the first Gatorade, and I chugged that, and made it to the next one, the next one, and, and so I'm, I'm going along in, in this journey, and, and you know what, after about mile eight or nine, I felt pretty good. And I was like, I'm going to continue this. And, and my, my family is back at home uh, on their phones, you know, tracking me with uh, the, the GPS on your phones to make sure that it, I didn't just, you know, kill over and die somewhere. And so, and so they're, they're tracking me and I'm slowly making my way around town. And, and I, I, I get to almost mile 16 and I, and I turn the corner to go back into our neighborhood. And by that time, I mean, my, my mind was just completely gone, and my, my body, I couldn't even feel my legs anymore, and I'm just trying to survive to get to, this, to, to, get to the house. And I, I turn the corner in, down, down our street, and I can see my family out in the front yard, and I, I make it to them. I don't say anything. I just collapse in the grass, and I just, just laid out like in the grass. And I bet our neighbors thought that Holly was fed up with me and just ended it, you know, right there. And so I just laid in the grass because I realized... I had nothing um, left in, in me. Well, today's Bible character that we're going to look at, the ordinary hero for today, I would say a 16-mile run was, was just like a warm-up for him. You see, we're going to go back to the, the church in Philippi, in the city of Philippi. We were there several weeks ago talking about some heroes in that church, and, and there was uh, another guy that we're going to look at today, and he got on the road we talked about several weeks ago, this, this road called the, the Via Ignatia. And he left Philippi and headed to the west. And he traveled for 700 miles all the way to Rome. It took him 60 days to get there to meet up with a, a man that was in prison. And that man that was in prison was named Paul. And the result of that journey, and actually the journey back, is the book of Philippians. It's pretty cool to think about. 
And so I want to just take us into that story today. So if your Bibles turn to Philippians uh, chapter 2, and just thinking about running, my knees are starting to hurt right now. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, that's just going on, like, just being honest. Uh, it's kind of weird. So uh, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 25, Paul is writing to this church, uh, back to this church, and here's what he says. He says, meanwhile, I, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. Epaphroditus is the guy for today. Crazy, weird name. Now, we name our kids for different reasons um, today. We name our kids either, I call it Bible Basics. So a lot of you guys are Bible Basics kind of names, and you're named after Bible characters. Or there's the family favorites. You know, you're named after an uncle or uh, an aunt or a grandparent or something like that. And then there are the unique unicorns. Anybody a unique unicorn here where your name is just really unique or spelled crazy, where the teachers have no idea how to pronounce your name on the first day of school? You guys are the unique unicorns. Well, back in, in Epaphroditus' day, you were usually named after, after something really important in your family's life. And his name actually means I belong to, uh, uh, to Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was the Greek goddess of love. And so we don't know anything about his family, but we can infer that his family was, was pagan. They were not Christians. But look what... Paul says in the next part of this verse, he says, he is a true brother. So he was a believer in Christ. He wasn't in his younger days, but he became a believer in Christ. And he says, he is a co-worker and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. Let me look at this bottom part of this verse really quick. You see, Paul, he was in prison, but he wasn't actually like in a dungeon behind bars. He was actually under house arrest in Rome, he had traveled there, and they actually allowed him to, to be under house, house arrest for, for a really, really, really long time in, in his own place. And uh, he could have visitors, but he had to pay for everything by himself. And so it was very expensive for him to actually be in, in prison. And so the churches actually began to hear about, all the churches that, that Paul had traveled around and visited and started, they actually began to hear about Paul's need. And the church in Philippi heard about Paul's need, and wanted to send him a a care package. Now, if we were, let's pretend we are the church in Philippi, and if we heard about Paul's need, what kind of care package will we send? What will we put in a care package? Anybody? Pizza. Pizza. Okay, perfect. Yes. He's going, going, he's in Rome, so it's Italy. Yeah, pizza. Okay, anything else? Food, okay, I, I sense a pattern here that uh, the kids just want food. I don't, I don't know what was in this care package. It might have been food. It might have been money. Um, it might have been writing supplies so he can continue to write his letters. We don't know what was, what was in there. But we have found an actual picture of uh, Epaphroditus on his journey. Here's, here's a picture we found uh, recently. of it, he's, he's just a UPS guy, right? So uh, if you think about Epaphroditus, you could just think he's got the AirPods in. He's good to go. Um, that, that's, that's what he did. He was just a delivery guy of this, this care package. And he had to travel 700 miles. And Paul describes him, and in his description of Epaphroditus, there are many principles and lessons that we can learn today. The first one is underlined right here, where it says that he is, he is a, a co-worker. Now, the Greek word here is a synergos. Synergos. What does that sound like? I don't know. Synergy. You ever heard of the word Synergy. That's where we get the word synergy, the, the synergos. And synergy is this, this uh, cooperative gelling between two or more people. And Paul, 
was saying that I have this synergy with Epaphroditus, meaning that we work well together. We, we complement one, one another, and we're, we're teammates on this mission that, that we're on. And I think there's an there's a interesting principle for us or a question for us today, and it's this. Do you bring synergy to your relationships? Because Epaphroditus did. Paul describes him as this, this co-worker. He was bringing this synergy into the relationship. And the question for us today is, do you actually do that in your own relationships? Another way to say this is, are you a team player? Do you work well with others? Maybe I should ask your spouse or someone that knows you best, like if you actually work well with other people. And it's an important thing to think about. I mean, in, in church, it's important to work well together. In your, in your business, in different organizations or teams that you're on, it's important to have this synergy. But I would say probably the most important place is actually your family. Do you have synergy in the relationships that are most important to you? One of the problems that we have in this life and in our culture is that we spend a lot of time building synergy in, in business and in life and organizations and, and different things that we are involved in. And we, we fail to, to, and we forget about the relationships we, we have back at home. What happens is when we do this, we don't have that kind of synergy at home and we just are distant and we kind of live our own lives and we, we aren't gelling together. What happens is, is that you actually become a loser. You lose in life. You'll end up losing in your relationships at home. Your family will lose. And ultimately, even the church will lose. Your business will lose. Your job will lose. The organizations you're in, everything, our society will lose when families aren't gelling together. And so here's a question, kind of getting really specific. Husbands and wives, what can you do to bring synergy into your relationship together, into your marriage? Are there conversations that need to happen? What needs to happen to build that relationship back together? It is the most important relationship here on this earth that you have. It's important. Kids, sons, daughters. What do you need to do to bring synergy into your relationship with your parents? Or how about with each other? <laughs> Are you bringing that cooperation into those relationships? Because the Bible says that we're supposed to, as believers in Christ, if you're a Christian in this room, you're supposed to do that. Romans 15, 5 says this, that may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. What's fitting for followers of Christ Jesus? To live in complete harmony together. We're supposed to be doing that. It's important that we make sure we are intentional with building synergy, this gelling together. And Paul labeled Epaphroditus as, as a co-worker. He brought this synergy, but he also called him something else. He called him a, a fellow soldier, back in our, our verse for today. He called him this, this fellow soldier. And, and I want us to, to look at that real quick. It says, he's a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. Now this Greek word for fellow soldier is stratiotis. What does that sound like? Come on. Strategy, right? That's where we get the word strategy. And he says he's a, he's a soldier or a strategist, not militarily, but actually in, in ministry. And Paul was describing Epaphroditus as, as being 
close to him and next to him in, in battle, in this fight. He wasn't just a, a warm body or a leech or someone who was just grifting off of someone else. I mean, you ever heard of energy vampires? Anybody ever seen an energy vampire? They got long teeth, they're real scary. I only come out at night. Like energy vampires are those who, they suck the life out of any relationship or conversation. You ever know anybody like that? That you have to, when you have a conversation with them, you're just, you're just trying to give all sorts of energy into it because they're just, they're just killing it, right? Or there's someone who's so selfish, they're only thinking about themselves and they're emotionally draining to you. There are people like that, but Epaphroditus was not like that. He was a a net producer. He was a valuable asset. He was a soldier strategist with Paul. And here's a good question for us this morning. Are you a strategist? And more specifically, are you a strategist for the gospel? Because that's what Epaphroditus was. It was. He was not talking about military stuff. He was talking about ministry. He said, he's my fellow soldier with me. He is my strategist soldier right next to me. You see, it's important because the gospel is really difficult. And ministry is difficult. Think about this. Ask anybody who has actually worked with junior high boys. You know what I'm talking about? They'll tell you, man, it's rough. Like, I only do it for a season, you know? Or if you've ever worked over in the nursery while the preacher is just preaching way too long and, and uh, all the babies are crying. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, Right? Or when you're dead broke and you're just waiting for, for your next paycheck and someone comes to you in need and you feel compelled to give out of what you don't even have. Like, it, that's, that's difficult. Or when a friend or, or family member who, who is close to you and is far from God sits down next to you and you realize there's this churning in your gut where you need to share your story. You need to tell them your testimony. But in order to do that, you're going to have to reveal some things that aren't pretty. There's an, opp- there's an opportunity for you to either, either speak truth in their life or just to, to coast and to hide. That's difficult. Ministry is difficult sometimes. Or you get that phone call late at night and you end up and you have all sorts of stuff going on the next day and you're tired and you're groggy, but you've got to help that person off the ledge in, some, in whatever's going on in their life. It's, it's an opportunity for you to do ministry, but it's, it's very difficult. Or how about when that Tragedy strikes that young family, and you're close to them, and you go to be next to them, and you feel like, I've got to do something, but you don't even know what to say, and you sure don't know what to pray. That's the difficult part of ministry. Ministry is, is not easy. It's like, it's like building a, a house consistently over time with, with one board and one nail, continually over and over again. In fact, the Bible talks about in Proverbs, in the Old Testament says, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Anybody ever tried to build something without wisdom or good sense? goes bad. You just look at that thing and you're like, mm, I'm not going to post that on social media. I'm just going to throw it away. I don't want anybody to know about it. It says a house is built by, by wisdom and, and good sense. It means that you can actually be a loser in ministry when you just coast in your faith. When you're just coasting your faith, you're, you're, you're just a loser. Everybody else around you loses. But every one of us has an opportunity to be a difference maker like Epaphroditus. And a difference maker is someone who is intentional and there's, they're consistent. In caring for other people and being about the gospel ministry where people's lives are changed. 
Epaphroditus was, was Paul's fellow soldier. He was, he was wise. He was intentional. He didn't quit. But you know what? He couldn't stay either. The story doesn't end with just kind of giving this description about him. It, it goes on to describe something. Look at verse 26. It says, I am sending him because he has been, on, he has been a, a longing to see you. Okay, so he's saying, hey, he's over here with me in Rome, but I'm sending him back. So he's, he's, Paul's writing this letter to him. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him. And also on me, so that I would not have uh, one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I, for I know you'll be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried um, about you. You see, Epaphroditus, we don't know what was going on with him. He had some illness or something was going on, but he actually almost died. And some of you know what that feeling is like. If you ever had a, a heart attack, you know what that feeling's like. Or you got a bad case of COVID or you got in a, a car wreck. And, I mean, your life is just kind of on, in, in the balance right there. And that's actually what was going on with Epaphroditus. Something happened to him. And in those moments, it's easy to be pretty self-centered, isn't it? If you've got some financial disaster and you're just trying to, to make it. Or you're so depressed and you're dealing with something that you just, you just want to close yourself off from, from the world. It's easy in those moments to just be so self-serving, to like rally the wagons in, in your life. I mean, you, can't even, you can't even think about someone else or anything else. You're just thinking about yourself. And that's exactly what Epaphroditus could have been. He could have been like a woe is me kind of guy. He could have actually showed up at, at Paul's door and knocked on the door and just came in dragging. He's like, I'm so sick and tired of this 700-mile journey. I need you to take care of me. But that's not what he did. Instead... He said, how can I serve? How can I help? I have something for you. He was self-sacrificing. I think there's a great message for us today, and it's this. Are you, are you selfish or are you self-sacrificing? It's a good question to ask yourself. The truth this morning is a lot of us are selfish at times. I'm even selfish at times. When I think about people in my life who were great examples, like Epaphroditus, of being self-sacrificing. Think of a, a lady like Patty Hampton. Patty Hampton died this, this past year, and she was one of our founding members from 1963, a great woman of the faith. She did some incredible things. And I remember going to her house and spending time with her in her last uh, time here on this earth before she went to see Jesus. And, man, it was, a, it was an opportunity for me to say, hey, can, what can I do for you? Let me pray for you and all those kind of things. But you know what she did? She's like, you know what? No, no, no. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for my church. And what can I do for you? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, like, I mean, it was, just, it was just a great example of someone who was selfless and self-sacrificing. In fact, Paul talks about this. If you kind of rewind about 20 verses, still in Philippians chapter 2, there's this famous section. And it's really interesting that he would say this and then go to describe Epaphroditus. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Let me ask this, what is your attitude? Are you actually putting others at the front of the line? Think about little kids. Little kids, um, when, they, when they're getting in line at school to go to recess, I mean, it's a battle, isn't it? Unless you have a line leader, you know, it can get, it can get pretty rough. Why? Because, because little kids are immature and they just want something for themselves. But as you mature in this life, especially as you mature in your walk with Christ, Paul is saying there's got to be a point in your life 
where other people become more important. you got to put them first. got to let them at the front of the line. And Epaphroditus did this for Paul, and he also did this for, for the church, his home church. He says he was, he was very distressed over them. Why was he distressed? I mean, he's the one who's sick and almost died. Well, it says that he was distressed because he heard that they knew about him, and they were worried about him. He's saying, don't worry about me. I'm more, I care more about you. He cares so much. He's like, Paul, I've got to go back. His focus was on other people. And let me just tell you that, that I, I believe that's super heroic. That's a great characteristic of a hero. And Paul recognized it and goes on to describe in verse, in verse 29, Epaphroditus a little bit more. It says, welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy. And give him the honor that people like him deserve. Man, this guy deserves some honor. He's gone through it. But he's had his focus on other people the whole time. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while, while doing for me what you couldn't do from afar. You see, Epaphroditus, he, he risked his life for everyone else in the story. And he risked his life for the work of Christ. And I would say this. He is the definition of self-sacrifice. But you and I, we're pretty averse to self-sacrifice. I mean, we'll sacrifice just as long as people know about it. You know what I'm saying? And that's, it's like we live in this culture of, of, of virtue signaling where we'll go and do something, but we sure want to make sure we take pictures so that other people can, can know about it. We post them on social media just so that everybody knows just how great of a person we are. Like, that's selfish, you know? That's, that's what we do. We, yet, yet self-sacrifice is the theme for this, this, this passage. And God wants us to be like Epaphroditus, wants us to be self-sacrificing. Paul said, don't be selfish. Think about other people. Put them first. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And that's the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus came to this earth and died for you and me. Talk about being sacrificial. Talk about being selfless. That is the essence of the gospel, that he would come and die for you, that you would choose him and have eternal life. That's an incredible message. And Paul says you need to be like Jesus. You need to take his attitude. And the story's not done. Paul got Epaphroditus next to him, and he, he rolled up the scroll, and he handed it to him. Maybe he gave him some sack lunch and some bus money or something. I don't know what he, what he gave him, some new tennis shoes or something. Said, hey, you got a long journey, but I'm sending you back to Philippi. And so he had to walk another 700 miles, another 60 days to get back. Would you do that to deliver a message? <laughs> I mean, we're so lazy, we won't even like send a text out for someone else. I mean, the other day I was, I was uh, sitting on the couch with, with my wife and she was like, hey, uh, will you send a text to the kids? I'm like, you got your phone with you? Why don't you just send it? You know, I'm, I'm so, like, I, I can't be bothered, you know, uh, to pick up my phone and send a text out. I mean, we're so lazy sometimes when it comes to, to helping other people out and sending a message to other people. Would you deliver that kind of message? Would you go 700 miles? Would you walk for two months to send a message back? I mean, Epaphroditus did, which is an incredible example of the man that he was. But can you imagine what it would have been like if he didn't? We'd be missing all the Philippians. Can you imagine if he was like, you know, this is just too much, and kind of just throws this, this uh, letter on the, the side of the road. If he quit, if he turned back, if he just stopped and said, hey, mile 200, that's enough, I'm, I'm done. But he didn't. 
And honestly, Epaphroditus, he's this, he's this great example for us of a hero, of a Christian hero. He's kind of the summation of all these different heroes that we've been talking about because he was focused on people. That was his mission, and that was his attitude. And I say that is one of the definitions, the definition of a, of a Christian hero is to be Christ-like. And being Christ-like in Philippians is, is the goal. Let's go back to, let's rewind just a little bit back to verses 5 through 8. He says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, okay? And describes what Jesus did. I want you to think about this. That he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. This is all about us being like Jesus. Epaphroditus was trying to be like Jesus, and he was a hero because of it. My question for us today is this. Will you answer the call of a modern-day hero? It's not about being famous. It's about being like Jesus. Thinking of other people, being a team player, being intentional in your faith, and sacrificing for the gospel. What do you need to do? What needs to change for you to be like him? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the message that we get from Epaphroditus. Um, interesting guy. He traveled a long way, he sacrificed so much. He was almost to the, to the point of death. He was so sick, yet he didn't quit. And I think that's a great example for us. And in the gospel ministry, sometimes it's really difficult. Our families are difficult. Our jobs are difficult. School is difficult. Ministry is difficult. And God, you call us to persevere and continue and to, to be intentional in our walk have this synergy and this cohesion and this gelling with other people. God, we be intentional in our relationships. Sometimes we're just so selfish. Yet Epaphroditus is a great example for us, God, of, of someone who was self-sacrificing just like your son, Jesus. So God, we want to be like Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. I pray, God, if anyone's in this room has never trusted in Jesus, they're watching online right now, they never put their faith in Jesus, the greatest sacrificer ever. I pray, Lord, that they would trust in Jesus today and put their faith in him. And God, for those of us who have done that, help us to just contemplate where we're at. Do we let other people in line first? Are we thinking about them? Are we being like Jesus? Help us, God, to be like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, 
If you're someone who during the message you thought, you know what, I want to know more about Christ, I want to give my life to Jesus, and I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven, uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could, text FORGIVEN to 94000, and that way one of our ministers can reach out to you, and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.